Welcome back to the You Can Too podcast. In today's episode, we have Aaron Golub on the show. Aaron is a former D1 athlete and NFL free agent, now a motivational and keynote speaker while being an entrepreneur at the same time. And we dive deep into the mindsets of successful people and how Aaron got to where he is today while finding the diamonds and his disadvantages while being the first legally blind D1 athlete to ever play to now creating an exceptional business for himself and the world and inspiring others to become their best self. If you're looking to build resilience in yourself, this is going to be the podcast you're going to want to listen to. And without further ado, let's hop right into it. And looking forward to sharing my message and story with with your listeners. Absolutely, man. I, w- I want to start off really because this is a mindset that has been really impactful for me. And I know that this is something that you've adapted as well. And I want to know when you adapted this mindset, but the mindset of life is happening for me, not to me. I think that that's a mindset that a lot of people need to adapt more well, when was that first moment for you that you just really shifted your perspective? Yeah, so I mean, there, there's a two part answer there because I think I've I accepted that into my life in high school, and we can talk about that. But when did I actually like voice that? Probably yeah. not till after college. And so it was it was the fact that back then, yes, I accepted that into my life, and I understood that the challenges for me, the adversities that are happening, are for me and not to me. But I didn't voice that specifically i wasn't into the whole like you know personal development or or listening to that type of stuff or any of that so i didn't i didn't vocalize that type of thing that wasn't until later on but i think it showed itself in my life during high school as i made the transition to the position that i ultimately played in college and you know throughout my career that allowed me to see success yeah was was that something because i think something that we feel we, we, we go through life kind of really having the expectation that life is happening to us. That's something that we feel, especially if we have a lot of disadvantages or adversities that we're faced with in life. Was there, for, for you in, in your life, I feel like you've had to have had work 10 times harder than most people. And in that alone, was that something that was just engraved into you? I feel like the, the resilience or the ambition that we have I think is something that is just projected onto us that we feel, oh, we were just born with that. But was that something that just clicked in your mind that you realized you just had to adapt? I understood at uh, an early age that in order to get to where I wanted to go, I needed to work harder than other people. I needed to compensate for my limitations, whether that be working harder or smarter or both in every single thing that I was doing. I understood that if I wanted to compete at the level I wanted to compete at playing football, I had to put in the time and effort that no one else was willing to put in. And if I was able to do that, then I would get and receive the things that no one else was able to get. A lot of times people underestimate what it truly takes to be successful, whether that's in athletics, school, business, whatever that may be, whatever your goal is. And if you want to see true success, you need to do what everyone else isn't doing. And that's not just a combination of working hard. That's also working smart because at the top, at the top 1%, I guarantee you everyone is working hard. Everyone is working smart. And so you can beat out, you know, 90% of people by being a hard worker and working smart. But if you want to come in that top 1%, you need to take it to the next level, in my opinion, and, you know, do the things that no one else is really willing to do. And for me in high school, I was up at 5 a.m. every single day practicing long snapping, which was my position. That's what I knew I had to do to get out in front of everyone else in my competition. Yeah. Was there a moment in in life where... 
that switch for you? I know for me, like there was a, there was a, there was a specific moment in time where I kind of shifted my mindset that life was happening to me to life was happening for me. And that, sh- that shifted my life from that point on. Not a specific moment. I, I think there's tons of smaller moments throughout my life. And right. in high school, my sophomore year was when I went from being a third string junior varsity athlete to saying, how do I take control of my life, take control of my situation and play at an extremely high level? And I found long snapping and I realized if I go good, got good enough at it, I might have an opportunity to play at a high level. And it was in that moment that I just realized I had to take control of this. You know, no one else was going to do it for me. I couldn't worry about other people's opinions or expectations. I couldn't consider myself a victim. I couldn't, I couldn't let things just happen around me or happen to me. You know, the challenge in my life happened for me. And in that moment, I realized that if I got good enough at long snapping, there might be an opportunity. And that happened for me because if I wasn't legally blind, and I say it all the time, I'm so thankful and grateful I'm legally blind. If I could go back to birth and change it, I wouldn't do so. Because look, if I had full sight, who knows? I might've been a quarterback in high school. And who knows? I might've been decent at it, but would I have played the level I played at? I don't know. Probably not. I probably wouldn't have had the work ethic I had. I, I don't know. I can't speculate, but I'm guessing I wouldn't have made it to the level athletically that I made it to. And because of that, I'm so thankful. And, and that happened for me, but it takes that understanding. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Because as, as same for you, when you're in high school, you don't really voice that kind of perspective that you have on life because you haven't had enough perspective to take into it into consideration to realize where this is going to lead you and 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 you can't really understand it it was there a habit or was there a a character trait that you developed over time that really helped you build that resilience within yourself you know i not necessarily a specific character trait and the way that i like to look at it and i I talk about this all the time is the difference between internal and external motivation and most people focus on what they, what I call external motivators. They focus on other people's opinions, other people's thoughts, other people's beliefs, why they should or shouldn't do something based on other people. You know, you want to get an A in school because your parents said you should. You want to be a doctor because your parents said you should. You want to go to this party because all your friends are and they think you should. And look, think of external motivators can help in a short time frame. If I go to the gym and I want to squat a heavy weight, I'm going to, in that moment, think of something that gets me pissed off, angry, mad, upset, whatever it is, to have that external motivator for 30 seconds, because that will help me move the barbell from point A to point B in a faster and and more concise fashion. And so there are times and places to focus on external motivators, but they also are not long lasting. And so when I focus on internal motivators, it's focused on why do you want to do something because you want to do it. And so whenever I have a goal, whether it be football or today, what I'm doing in business and entrepreneurship, it's. I want to do something because I want to do it because I want to prove myself right. Not because, you know, Joe on the street said I could or couldn't, not because my mom thinks I can, not because, you know, cousin Stacy says I can't, not because of uncle Frank or my neighbor, whatever. I mean, these are all made up names anyways, but you get the point. And when you focus on that internal motivator of why you want to do something, you're much more likely to see success within it because you're truly doing it because you want to do it. The second I have a switch that says, Aaron, you know, I absolutely hate speaking. I don't want to travel. I can't stand it. I don't want to do speeches anymore. But I don't see that happening, at least for the long term. I love what I do in every single aspect of business and entrepreneurship. And I do it because I want to do it, not because anyone else wants me to. And because of that, I see success and I will see even more success. I love that perspective. I love that perspective. And, and, And to get to where you are now, 
I mean, you've already surpassed all of the, I guess you could say, limiting beliefs or the or the projections of others' beliefs on you already. Like, like you've surpassed them exponentially yeah. from my perspective. Now, in where you are today, what is your definition of success? I mean, success is it's different for everyone, first off. And I think it's it's about fulfillment. And so I don't want to only see success financially or only see success physically. It needs to be like success financially, physically, in my mind and spirituality, success in my relationships, success in in so many areas of my life. And that's what success is to me. I don't want to make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and be fat and lazy and have no relationships, but I also don't want to be in the best shape of my life with an incredible family and have, you know, $10,000 to my name. You know, it's, there is success in all areas. You know, I think a lot of people think that you can only do one and that's not true. Yeah. I always like the, the perspective to take is, is instead of, but like we always put, but at the end of it, like I I'm, I'm making this money, but this is happening in my, in my relationship. Why can't we replace, but with, and, no, I but, think but, but, but to, to go into that, there are times and places. Yeah. You know, you might have, I might have a week that I need to work 18 hour days to get things done. And in that week, I might spend less time with my girlfriend. I might not go to the gym six days a week. I might go to the gym three days a week. I might not eat the healthiest and that's totally fine, but that can't happen every week. That can happen once in a while. And when that happens, when I'm in those types of modes, I take care of the other aspects of my life. But there are certain times where I might be working 18, 20 hours a day because I have to hit certain deadlines for certain things, or I have to push out a new area of my business or whatever that is. Um, And people need to understand that that's okay. Now that can't be every single week, every single day of your life, but you know, there, there definitely are times that I have to prioritize things over the other and then other areas get, you know, lack, but it's also having that awareness and understanding that, you know, you can't sustain that for the long term. Yeah, you can't, it's the intensity over consistency, right? Like we have to be able to stay consistent, but there's going to be times exactly as you said, I remember in the beginning of my business, there was a lot of 12 hour days and now those days it, it's, it's not sustainable to be completely honest. And I think that's what the hustle culture kind of puts onto us. Um, but, but I know that something that you, you talk a lot about is focus and whether that be focus in, in business, would that be focus in any area of your life, but relatively the focus of your, your experience, are you focusing on what's going wrong? Or are you focusing on what could go right? And you focus a lot on the positive. That's, that's something I, big that I've noticed in, in your work. Where did you adapt that ability to stay consistent in, in the positive? Because there's so much negative just being feeded into us at, in, in every second and through the social media and in, in, in um, the news. When were you able to really adapt that and stay focused on what's positive? I mean, it's, it's understanding lessons that I would have learned or learned from football. It's, you know, control what you can control. You know, in a game, you can't control. If the other team scores a touchdown, you can't control that situation. The only thing you can control is how do you score another touchdown right back and tie up the game. That's what you can control. You can't control what the other team is going to do, but you can control how you carry the ball. You can control how you tackle, how you block, and and, and that's what it's about. It's the same business. Like, there are certain things – you know, that happen in, in a business where maybe a system breaks down. I have to spend time fixing it and it's stressful and it's hard. But at the end of the day, I can control what I can control. I can't control what happened. What I can control is how I can go and fix it. And the second you can flip that switch, your life gets easier. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certainly times that I get stressed, that I get overwhelmed. And to be completely blunt, like right now is one of those times. I'm digging deep into systems in my business and redoing some things 
We've recently launched an offer and then redone the offer and it's about to kind of relaunch. And there's a lot of things and moving pieces going on right now. And it's a very high stress and overwhelming time. But at the end of the day, having the feeling of overwhelm is a good thing. It means there's so many good things going on in your life. And when you can understand that, you can you can act accordingly. You know, yes, don't get me wrong. There are certain days that I get very stressed based on what's happening right now in this time frame. But I also get that give me two weeks, give me three weeks, and things will shift. Things will be built out more in what I'm doing. Systems will be fixed. Systems will be changed. New pieces will be in the puzzle, and I won't feel those feelings and emotions, and that's okay. But I also understand that there are certain times now and in the future that I'm going to go through those phases, and it's good aspects. It means I'm scaling. It means I'm growing. If I were to have the problems that I have now two years ago, I would have been screwed. I would have wished for the problems I had today had, you know, onboarding new employees or new people on my team, how to grow, how to scale. Like that's, I would have loved to have those problems two years ago. Now I have those problems and it overwhelms me, but I am equipped to handle them. I, uh, I'm, you're speaking to me, man. I, I love that. I always say that problems replace problems. And if we're not, if we're not able to at least have a different perspective on the problems that we have today, we're not going to be happy when we get to the problems that we actually say that we want in the future. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think stress is almost like fear in the same sense in, in some capacity that there's fear. We see fear as a bad thing, but in the same sense, fear is a good thing because that means you're doing something that scares you. Yeah. And if you're doing something that scares you, you're passing the limit that you've placed in your mind for you in where you were in high school and then getting to the college level and then ended up being a free agent in the NFL. What was your internal narrative throughout that period of time and kind of getting to where you are today? Was there something that really shifted that kind of leveled you up and, and kind of shifted your identity into to who you are and now being a speaker and, and everything that you're doing? No, I mean, back then it was, I want to be the best football player out there. I want to contribute and be a part of a winning team. And that's what pushed me every single day is you know, how can I grow in that manner? And my life was athletics. My life was football. Every single thing revolved around that. I mean, I did fine in school. I did okay, but I didn't enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't get straight A's. Um, football was my passion. I would, every extra spare second I had, it was how do I get in the gym and lift weights? How do I work on my, you know, snapping? How do I get better? How do I help the team win? That's what I was focused on. And all those skills translated, in, you know, today into entrepreneurship, but, you know, it was an obsession for me. I think a lot of people talk about like follow your passion. That's, that's BS. Like, yes, you can follow your passion at certain times in your life. Um, but, you know, if I was just passionate about football, I wouldn't have seen that much success. There's a million people that are passionate about football. If I was just passionate about entrepreneurship or speaking, I wouldn't see much success. There's millions of people that are passionate about growing a business. When you are obsessed, that's when you see success. When I was playing football, I was obsessed with how I could get bigger, faster, stronger, better. Today, I'm obsessed with how I can be one of the top speakers and entrepreneurs in the world. And that's why I know in 10 years from now, I will be. But it's not a passion of mine. It's an obsession. I think you have to have a lot of faith to be able to have that kind of obsession. Because when it comes down to it, there's a lot there. I think there's a lot of people that want that obsession that, that, are, that are driven. But you have a different kind of driven that really inspires me. And I think it's going to resonate a lot with my audience was did you see that growing up? That was that that was just something that you've always been is just you've always been obsessed with kind of getting better in who you are and just developing as the leader that you are today. I think when I look back on my life, I see it in phases. Yes. You know, I see I was doing X activity 
and I wanted to be the best that I wanted to, you know, I got obsessed over it. And then I switched to Y activity and I wanted to be obsessed. So yes, when you look at phases of my life, if you poured it out onto a map, you would probably see that. Absolutely. But I think that it's also okay if you don't have that obsession. You know, look, to, to talk about like Gary Vee for a second, like you could be totally obsessed with something absolutely ridiculous. You could be obsessed with like drawing pictures. You could be obsessed with collecting baseball cards. You could be obsessed with, I don't know. But guess what? If you are obsessed with that, you could also make a lot of money out of it. I know someone who makes money from a, a, a dog food restaurant. No, a, uh, a dog toy website that he has. Like, come on. Wow. You can make yeah. money in this day and age out of anything. Um, and so, yes, I see that pattern within my life, but I also understand like most people don't have that type of obsession. That's fine. Not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. I think in this day and age of social media with the way the world is, everyone says they're an entrepreneur and most people aren't. Most people are fake entrepreneurs and most people want to be entrepreneurs. And most people think they're entrepreneurs and they're not. And that's totally fine. I have nothing against anyone and I want everyone to be the most successful as possible. There's so much abundance out there, but understand like, do you actually have what it takes to grow and succeed in certain areas? And if you don't, that's fine. Like 99% of people should go get a nine to five W2 job. And there's nothing wrong with that. My girlfriend has a W2, my sister has a W2. Like most people should have that. And they are incredible human beings, amazing at so many things. And could they go out into entrepreneurship one day? Maybe, I don't know. It depends what their you know behaviors and attitudes want at that time. But I think entrepreneurship is glorified to this extent where like everyone wants to be one because they think it's the cool thing to do. And that's why you see so many people get into it for three months and then quit. And I know that we took your question and took it off into a different tangent. Just the way it went. Sorry about that. But <laughs> no, I, I, I absolutely agree because I, I was speaking on this with a friend earlier today. People that I started entrepreneurship with when I was 17. I, they, they stopped after six months and we're, I'm almost two years in and, and you can see them just, just fall off the wagon, right? Like a, a lot of people say that they want it because they project this idea of what it could look like, but they don't understand how much hard work and how much obsession it really does take to go through the days that you don't feel like it. For, for those that don't, that maybe don't believe that they have the drive, because I kind of want to dive into a little bit more beliefs because your belief system is, is, is so concrete and I love it. Because it, I think that it's not concrete in the grand scheme of things. Like no one's beliefs are concrete, but yours in the way that you believe in yourself and what you're going to do in your future is inspiring. What was a moment in time that you kind of shifted your beliefs in, in your idea of the future, if that makes sense? It's a really good question and a tough one to answer because I think there's been so many phases within my life and that, and I've always been confident in my abilities of like high school. I was so confident that I was going to play division one football that people thought I was ridiculous. People would tell me I was wrong, that it was never going to happen, but I was so confident. You know, today I'm so confident that my name will be in the category of some of the top speakers and entrepreneurs in the world down the road. And most people probably think I'm ridiculous for saying that, but I'm all, I've always been so confident in what I set my mind to. And so it's hard to pinpoint that, but I think the, the key aspect there is that anyone could say that. Anyone could say, hey, I want to be a top entrepreneur and it means nothing. What actually matters is what are you actually doing on a daily basis? Who are you keeping around in your circle as mentors, as friends, as people that you can rely on? And what are you learning from it? 
And that's what's truly important because I could find 500 people that say they're going to be a top whatever, and none of them will actually be that. And it's who will execute and where will you continue to be in five years from now? Yeah. Yeah, like like for, for you when you were going to, like you said you wanted to play Division One football, right? And you reached out to every single college in in the world, right? So like the, those that are not doing that is the exact reason they weren't able to achieve that, right? The hard work yeah. is what's what's behind that they're not seeing that it may seem unfathomable to be able to do that kind of thing, but what you're doing is also not seen. Yeah. For, for those that may... Go ahead. No, I was going to say like, when you take that context, yes, I contact every single school in the country, cold email, cold called, showed up on so many campuses, not showed yes. up on every campus, but contacted every coach. And even today, you know, yes, there is a lot of skill that I've built up over the years of speaking and with entrepreneurship and everything I do. But at the same time, you know, people, one of the biggest questions I get is how do you get booked and paid to speak? What are the systems you've set up is what I say. I have probably 1,200 cold emails going out today to companies, events, whoever, sharing my message and my story, trying to get them to hop on a call for me to speak. I'm not going to lose if I'm taking that many swings every single day. Yeah, you know what? I don't care if 1,190 of them say no to me because I got 10 of them to say yes. Like yeah. it's, it's a numbers game so often and nobody's willing to do that. And when you are, you win. It's uh, you're speaking to me and I, I'm so, I'm so blessed to have you on the show. Cause this is, I love hearing this kind of stuff. Vol, volume beats talent all day. Volume beats talent all day. If you have enough, if you're taking enough action, the talent of the perceived idea of someone else doesn't matter if you're taking enough action, right? For, for those that maybe don't believe that they can stay consistent long enough or they don't have the drive or they don't have the motivation. What is a way to develop, not only that confidence, but that ability to show up for themselves when maybe they just don't feel like it. Find something you truly enjoy. And, and if you like it that much, maybe you can be obsessed about it. So you could find ways to succeed in every single niche, every single area. Let's just say you're someone who loves binge watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. I think maybe you could start a blog that's about reviewing Netflix shows and you know, write an article every single day for a year and then eventually sell that website or get, you know, tons of subscribers to it? Absolutely. But are you willing to put in the time and the effort on that thing that you enjoy? Most people aren't going to do that. Um, and so it's, it's finding what you're able to do and what you want to do. It's different for every single person. And yes, there are certain, you know, strategies and techniques that you can do to focus and, and stay consistent and disciplined and that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's what do you want to do and what do you want to do for you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think even, even like in, in the, in the idea of public speaking, right? Like that's in, it, it's so talked about how public speaking is almost more, more scary than, than death at this point in the, in the world. How did you overcome that fear of, and if you, if that was a fear for yours to, to get on stage and to show up now, like seven, eight TEDx speaker, thanks. Yeah. So for me, cause I mean, you said, I've, I mean, I've done a handful of Ted talks and, and, but that's not the biggest part. It's, it's that I speak at companies, conferences, sports teams, events all over the world all the time. And when I was 17, when I came in to play at Tulane, the first, one of the first things that happened in that week was my, when my story got out, I was called and asked to go on Good Morning America and share my story. And I didn't want to do it. And a coach thankfully said to me, if you can go on, you can share your message and story and make an impact for one other person that's worth doing. And so I did. And in that moment, I was, I was scared. I was terrified. It was, you know, I was 17 years old. 
I was probably shaking, nervous, you know, everything that you can imagine. But I got through it because it was sink or swim in that moment. And I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of millions of people. And ever since then, I'm not going to say I don't get nervous speaking. It depends on the environment. But, you know, I was thrown in the deep end in that, at that time frame. And so, you know, I definitely don't get as nervous as often. There are certain instances and certain times that I can pinpoint that I do still get nervous. But, you know, a lot of the time I don't anymore because of that experience. Yeah. Was, was there a... Was there a point in time where you kind of just, you made the decision? I think that that's, that's something that like, whether that's coming down to being obsessed or just, um, just making that progress, I think you have to make a decision to make the change, right? Like change happens when this pain of staying the same becomes more painful than making a change. Yeah. Was there a point in time where that happened for you? Not a specific point, but in our lives, and, and, and you said it perfectly, but the longer you wait, to take action on something, the more anxiety builds up within yourself. And if you can take action sooner, you're more likely to get it done. You're going to have less anxiety. You're probably going to see more success. And so the people who do that accomplish a lot more. The people who wait, build up anxiety, build up stories in their head, and then maybe don't take action or take action that doesn't, you know, uh, show what they truly could have done. And for me, it's about if you have an idea, if you have a thought, if something happens that you could take action on, just do it. Like, who cares if you fail, if you get made fun of, if you get laughed at, you'll fix it, you'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah and I think I, I kind of want to move into that as well. Talking about that is when you were an NFL free agent, you had business opportunities and you decided to go into speaking instead, right? For for me, before I started my coaching business, it was, I was going to be a, uh, a real estate agent. And I thought that was just, that was it. And right before I was about to take the test, I just decided to make that decision and shift off. When was the moment that you decided, I'm going to go into speaking and I'm going to go inspire others to be their best version of themselves? Yeah, so there's a couple shifts there. Um, to start, at first, I went into the world of finance. You know, I was a free agent and then I went into the world of finance. That was when I stayed in school. I thought I wanted to do that. And at the time, it was a great, it was a great decision for myself. I enjoyed it. I learned a ton. I started speaking while I was doing that. It wasn't making much money. Speaking was kind of just on the side. And, and as that grew... Eventually, a decision, another decision came where I left finance to do you know, speaking and consulting and entrepreneurship full time. There's a lot more that I do within it outside of just you know, speaking at, at events. It's a lot of it's you know, consulting and, and working with companies and, and things of that nature on, on various levels. And that decision came when I realized I just like doing my own thing more than being tied to something else. And I truly believed that within the role I was in finance, you know, I could be good at it. I could be, I could be pretty good, but I was probably never going to be one of the top people in the world. And I truly believed that if I focused on my speaking, my consulting, my entrepreneurship journey at some point with my story, with my background, with what I wanted to create, I could eventually be one of the top people in the world, one of the top names in the world. And I just asked myself, where can I make more impact? Where can I leave a legacy? Where can I help others? And if I can, and not not be the next Tony Robbins or Eric Thomas or whoever, but if I can, you know, be thought of and mentioned in the same caliber and, and context as those individuals through my unique story and path, then that's so much more worth it. And I truly believe that I can do that over a matter of time. I love that. I love it. You, you are someone that takes their story and is able to articulate it in such a good way to inspire others to kind of really take action on theirs. For those that maybe are at the beginning of their, whether it's entrepreneur journey or just in the beginning of their life and kind of really trying to define what 
that life vision looks like and they don't have that life vision. How did you develop yours? And what do you tell those that just don't have that kind of vision? Especially when you're young, just try and fail. Like you, you genuinely don't know what you want. You don't know what you're good at. And the more you try, the more you taste, the more you'll figure out what you can actually do. I think that's the most important thing. I still fail all the time. You know, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Last week on like Monday or Tuesday, I was going to download a whole new set of, of people to reach out to for what I do to try and get new leads. And I realized that I forgot something. I messed up and I didn't filter for US. And that's where I mostly reach out to, although I've done some work internationally. I was in Canada like a month ago working with a company. And what I, I most of the time try and do outreach US, it's just where I like to be most of the time, obviously. And I forgot to filter that. And so most of the leads that I got was for international. And I wasn't going to launch most of my outreach campaigns last week on Monday or Tuesday because Thanksgiving, most people in the US weren't going to respond. And I sat there for a while and I was like, well, like, shoot, I was, I was really annoyed that I did this. And I was like, you know what? I have probably six days right now that no one from the US is going to respond to anything. I just downloaded thousands of international leads. Why don't I just say screw it and launch it and test it? And people internationally are going to be working this week. And I did it and I booked tons of calls from it because I just decided to make lemons out of, or lemonade out of lemons and just figure it out. And you know, it was breaking past the story that I was telling myself. And look, will I do that more often of, of contacting international people on purpose? Probably not. Maybe time to time I will do that. Maybe every year the week of Thanksgiving, that's going to be my trend, tradition of, of reaching out internationally. But outside of that, definitely not. But the point is, I took a bad situation, something that I was annoyed about, figured out a creative solution. And now I have sales calls. I got on the call of someone today from Australia who might book me to speak virtually next December for an event for a good amount of money. So it was worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be able to take that, take a different perspective on the situation when it doesn't seem so right. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's what you've done in, in every single aspect of your life, right? Like finding the diamond in your disadvantages. I, I love that perspective on things. And, and, and talking about the story that you're telling yourself was, I know that at least for whether it's my audience or in, in the grand scheme of the world, really, we're not really taught how to gain that amount of consciousness to be able to break out of that story that we're telling ourselves. And a book that really changed my perspective was breaking the habit of being yourself to understand all the beliefs, all of the ways I had to rewire my brain to understand where I was holding myself back. Was there a book? Was there a period in time? Was there a shift in your mindset that really helped you recognize where you were limiting yourself? Not necessarily. Um, you know, I'm a, I, yes, there's, there's a handful of books that I've enjoyed reading. You know, there's a handful of mentors that I've had. I think I'm really good at just surrounding myself with people who are where I want to be. And that's where I learn from. And not to go off on like another tangent, but a lot of people think that they want to get a mentor and that's going to get them to where they want to go. And yeah. that's, again, the biggest BS I've ever heard. Because instead of trying to go out and find a mentor, you need to make yourself someone who's worth being mentored. A really good friend of mine is named Jeff Lopes, very successful entrepreneur, owns an eight-figure, um, you know, uh, uh, MMA-type uh, clothing and gym equipment company. He also owns another, I think it's an eight-figure real estate company. And his podcast, I think, has like, I don't know, 40, 50,000 downloads an episode. Great guy. And we started off in this relationship where I paid him for someone to teach me some stuff. And we just became so close that like, he's like an older brother to me at this point. 
And it's because he saw the work that I was willing to do, unlike some of the other people he would work with from time to time on business development and, and things like that. And now, I mean, I don't pay him for anything. We're just really good friends. Anytime I need anything, I text him, I call him. If he ever asks me for something, I'll do it in a heartbeat. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for him. But at the same time, I know it's the same for me. If I ever need anything, he will help me with anything because I put in the time and effort and the work. And he genuinely sees that I'm going to be one of the best in the world at what I do. And we both want to build that relationship together. I have so much to learn from him and other people like that. But I, I get, I mean, I get so many messages all the time of like, Hey, can you teach me to do X, Y, Z or teach me to do that? And it's like, can you add some value to me first before we go out and do that? So when people want to be mentored, want to be taught how to do something, but they're not giving any value in return. Yeah, we, we ask, it's like the jab, 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 right hook, right? We have to, we, we can't expect to get received without giving. And I think that's what a lot of where we go wrong for the most part is we, we expect, we have these expectations. And- and within that, there's two two forms of, of you know, receive and giving. It could be, I could go to you and say, hey, James, I'm going to pay you $1,000 to teach me how to do this. And that's one form of it. The other form could be, hey, James, I saw you're doing this in your business. Would it help you if I, you know, set up a whole cold, cold outreach campaign for you via email that would yeah. you know, add value to you, suit completely free, record a video for you on all of it, send it over to you. And then you're going to want to help me if I ask you for help. There, it, it could be monetary where I where I pay you to teach me something or just add tons of free value to you. And then you want to add value back. Yeah, you, ha- you have to be someone of value to have others that are in your, the position that you want to be in to actually want to help you. Right. And that's definitely something I've learned throughout my throughout my journey. And and, and I want to know for, for you with with how much conviction, I think, is like a great word to use relentless conviction in, in who you are and what you want to achieve. Is there, is there something that you could tell to my audience that could help them like actions or habits or whatever that comes down to, to kind of build that, that confidence within themselves? I think, I think you have a bias towards action. And I think that's something that makes a lot of the successful people successful, but is there anything else that really stood out for you? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it, it's a actions B going back to the whole, it's okay to fail and, and trying and failing and just getting up every single time and continuing to, push through and understand that it's okay to fail. It's okay to not know what you're doing. I think that's a, that's a huge thing. You know, look, at the end of the day, there are certain things like, yes, I, I like to work out every day. You know, I used to meditate every day. I need to meditate more often. It's something that I would like to do every day, but I'm not a big fan of the whole, like, do 5,000 things in the morning in your morning routine. Yes, there are certain things I do. Most days I like to get up. I like to work. You know, in a perfect world, I'll wake up, work out, meditate, get to work. You know, that might take me, you know, an hour and a half before I'm actually working. Wake up, work out, shower, meditate, done. The issue is I think so many people have these like four hour long morning routines. And Hormozy, Alex Hormozy, if you know him, says it perfectly. Like everyone thinks they need to wake up, go to the gym for two hours, take a long walk, go up for a cold shower, journal for 45 minutes, you know, meditate for an hour, you know, say 5,000 affirmations. Look, you can do things in moderation or throughout the day, but at the end of the day, most people who are in this world of personal development think that they need to do so many things and they start their workday at 10. You know how you build a successful business? You sit down, you shut up, and you get to work. Yes, there are certain things that you need to do. When I work out, when I meditate, I genuinely feel better throughout the day, but I don't need to spend 5,000 hours doing all that other BS. It's about what can I do to accomplish my goal. Yeah, 
I think your subconscious has to play a role in subcapacity that if you're not confident in yourself, it's because your subconscious knows you're not giving it your all. Right. I think that that yeah. has, that, that has to have a play in, in the, in the confidence that you have, whether that's in your business or just in your life in general. Medita- meditation is first thing I do in the morning and I get right into my day. Yeah. It's the, and that's the great. Ability- that's great. It's, it's not like you're doing three hours of a morning routine. And, and look, I know people who do that and it works for them. I'm not yes. saying that it's a, a right or wrong. I think the issue is most people say either like don't do any morning routine or do a morning routine for three hours yeah. and there's no in between. Look, it's, it's about what works for you. If, if, if every morning it helps you to read for 30 minutes, then read for 30 minutes. Like do what works for you. I'm such a big believer in, in that concept because every single person online who says that they're a guru, yeah, you know what? They do things that are right for them, but they don't know what's right for you. And you are the only one that knows what's right for you. And it's about trying and failing and figuring that out. And you will do that if you test things. Yeah, it, it's you have to be curious enough to, to see. To, to be to be questionable. And I think that comes down to also having that vision for your future. You have to be curious enough to be, well, what if I was the first person to be a, a D1 college athlete, right? Like, like you have to be curious enough to see if it's even possible and to question to see, well, maybe the limitations yeah. that others are placing on me are not the ones that I need to be placing on myself, right? Yeah, 100%. For, uh, I, I kind of want to end this off with one question and it comes down to everything that you've done in your life. It seems like you, you have a lot of gratitude for the, the hurdles that have been placed in your life because they are for a good reason. They've placed you to, to get into the position you are today. What role has gratitude played in your life? It's a huge role. You know, I'm so grateful for all the challenges, all the obstacles. I mean, like, look, I, I have challenges going on today. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I have, it, it's a whole thing with like lead lists and systems and stuff that I'm dealing with right now that I was doing before this podcast and I'll be doing after this podcast, but and it's a pain in the ass. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I'm grateful for it because what I'm creating will make my life easier and it will be better. But I think you need to find gratitude within it or you'll burn out. And, and that's a huge thing. Like I understand that I'm grateful for the challenges, no matter how hard it seems, if you can find a tiny bit of gratitude then your life becomes better. And it's one of the talks I talk on all the time at companies is gratitude-based leadership and how you can lead with gratitude really at, at the forefront of that. And when you can focus on gratitude, you become happier, healthier, more successful, and you can accomplish your goals easier. I think it's just something that we all need to focus on. We just need more of within the world is, is focusing on that gratitude and what you're grateful for. Yeah. Did you learn that from somewhere? Or was that something that you just adapted along the journey to take a different perspective? I think, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I 100% created that type of stuff, but at the same time, I think I learned from taking bits and pieces from others. And I think a lot of people, and, and I'll dive into this real quick, a lot of people, like in the beginning, I would say, okay, I want to be the next whoever speaker. And I would try and copy their style. And that didn't work, obviously, because it never works. It's about yeah. taking bits and pieces from everyone and molding into something. Like, I don't know anyone else who has a gratitude-based leadership talk. I know people who talk about gratitude. And it's about taking bits and pieces from their styles, who they are, and forming it to your own style and forming it to who you are. And for me, that's what I, you know, I do. You know, a, a mentor of mine, David Meltzer, he talks about gratitude all the time. Now, do we have 100% the same beliefs? No. Does he talk on things that I don't? Yes. Do I talk on things that he doesn't? Yes. But does some of his thoughts and beliefs probably contribute to my thoughts and beliefs on gratitude? Absolutely. And that's okay. I'm not copying everything he does but I probably take some bits and pieces here and there when I see it. There's a, there's a book called steal like an artist. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's kind of, it sounds like 
it's it's from Austin Cleon. It's an amazing book. It sounds exactly what you're talking about. It's when you steal from one person, it's plagiarism. But when you steal from others, it's research. When you take a bits bits and pieces from every single person that you that you aspire to be like, you take bits and pieces. And the reason that I think a lot of people don't succeed is that they're trying to emulate some one person. And again, like you said, that's why a lot of the speeches may may haven't worked is because you're trying to be like someone else when you're not actually seeping in your authenticity of who you are and standing yeah. in everything that you can be. Yeah, dude, like I don't I don't want to be the next Tony Robbins or the next Eric Thomas or the next David Meltzer. I want to be Aaron Golub. I want to take pieces from each of them and, you know, be in the same caliber of, caliber of names of them down the road. But there's no need for a second, you know, Tony Robbins. There already is a Tony Robbins. There needs to be Aaron Golub that everyone in the world knows. And that will be the case one day. Yeah. Aaron, I'm so grateful to have you on this podcast. I'm so great to be to be connected with great people like you. For those that are trying to find you, the audience today, where can they find you? Yeah, I mean, first off, social media, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, at Aaron J. Golub, my website, AaronGolub.com. If I can help in any way, DM me, shoot me an email, Aaron, AaronGolub.com. Happy to help any way I can. I appreciate you for being on the show, brother. I will stay connected, and thank you for coming on the show as always. Thanks, man.